stinks. I like her. She's my favorite announcer. I couldn't say otherwise. Just kidding. Um, I want to start today by asking a question uh, in the light of this new series. Um, are you growing? That's a big question. That's not something you just go, yeah, or no. That's a question you hopefully have to like start thinking about um, that spurs on some deeper reflection. To ask the question, are you growing? Do you see life change? Do you see newness happening? Is there something growing in you that hasn't been there before? And then as you ask that question, the, the, the question that should be underneath that question is hopefully, how do I even know if I'm growing? How do I even know how to answer that question? And so that's the question that is going to be our challenge for this next month is, is really, are we growing? And then in the light of that, how do we grow? Um, I don't know about you. I don't want to just spend my life on the surface of faith. I don't want to have the, the right words and the right things and do the right stuff, but never really get below the surface. I want to grow. I want God to do something new. And I would imagine no matter, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey today, you want to grow. I would hope you would say that, that, that if you look at your life, if you look at your own spiritual journey, you would make the statement today, yes, from where I'm at right now, I want to grow. I want to spiritually grow. Um, and so if you're saying that, as you look outside and you see the blossoms and you see things sprouting, hopefully that stirs something in you. I was really hoping today that we would not have a covering of snow everywhere as we start a How to Grow series with a very spring-like thing. That was really going to make me mad. Thank goodness it melted and we didn't get the huge, uh, awful uh, three to five inches that they said we were going to have within that. So John Henry Newman, he's a Catholic theologian, he says, growth is the only evidence of life. I've heard some people say it the other way, if you're not growing, you're what? You're dying. So growth is that evidence. So we should be able to look at our spiritual lives and see if we're stagnant, if we're just standing still, we should be concerned because there should be growth in our lives. So let me ask you again, as you thought about this, as we talked for the last five minutes, do you get a sense in yourself that you are growing? And if why, if not, Why? Why not? Throughout the scriptures, our spiritual lives are described in, described in these very organic sort of ways and, and very or, kind of agrarian terms because Jesus lived in a culture, a lot of farmers, and they made their, their living from the land, and so it made sense to them. But also, I think it's because we need to remind ourselves at the same time that we're not robots. We're not uh, machines. I hate language when it talks about when we get tired. What, what's the language we usually use? Like we need to stop and we need to recharge. We need to reboot. We need to uh, uh, kind of get a, a new uh, a charging part. We, we use like machine language. We have moved so far away from this organic living of, of our, our lives as human beings, as creation that, that we even use terms as if we are machines, we are robots. And, and the, the scripture brings us back to this very organic sense of things to where if you are an organism, if you are creation and not creator, 
then you have to live in a sense of dependence because all creation is depending on, on God himself to bring rain and sunlight and to, to have good soil. And we too, in the same way, this language teaches us, reminds us that, that our life is not just something we plug into a wall. We are someone depending on God for growth, depending on him to do something really, really new in us. Breathing, dependent image bearers of God. Taking the nourishment in uh, from, from the earth. And so, as we start this week, we want to start where it all begins. We want to start beneath the surface. We want to start under the ground. In the, but we, you, we always look, when you see something that's growing, you look up, up at the top first. You look at how much fruit and how many leaves and how beautiful it is right now. But, but what we don't realize is that there is no health There is nothing beautiful up here that's not the direct result of what is growing down deep beneath the surface. Anytime you see a large tree with large branches and just going out for for, for feet and feet and feet, you, you can be sure that underneath the ground, the roots are just as deep and just as wide stretching because not only does it need nourishment, it needs the stability to handle what's happening up here. So when we talk about growth, we want to talk about it practically in the sense of looking at the soil, looking underneath looking within us at the things that people cannot see. And I understand that's a hard place to look sometimes. It's easier to be able to point to, well, I go to church on Sunday morning and I read my Bible and I go to a city group and I serve and to point to those things that are the fruit that we see on the top, but to never really pay attention to what's happening under the roots. And the further you go along, you, you start to notice that those things can happen up here, but, but underneath, things can be dying. Things can be very shallow and have very little nourishment. And so Jesus gives us one of my favorite parables we're going to look at today from Luke 8, the parable of the sower. But in reality, the parable of the sower could really be called the parable of the soil. It's, it's the soil of our hearts, it's where we, we, we grow. It's where things die within us. The soil beneath the surface is where Jesus is pointing to. So any farmer will know that it doesn't matter how much sunlight or, or rain or, or nourishment that you can get there. If the soil is bad, you can't grow anything. If the soil is wrong, nothing's going to grow. So today's really kind of a different kind of a different journey together. Usually there's, it's, it's more proclamation and listen, but today I hope becomes a little more practical and becomes a diagnostic. I don't know if you're like me. I don't like going to the doctor for physicals. Anybody else just not like going to the doctor? Because if you go to the doctor, you find out what's wrong with you. And I'd rather not know, you know? I'd rather just think I'm okay and, and not have to worry about those things. So I hate physicals. I hate going to the doctor. I hate diagnostic things because I'm afraid of what I'm going to see. And even though last, you know, last few times I've done it, there's been nothing wrong with me, it still gives me this great deal of anxiety because I have to be forced into seeing if there's anything really, truly wrong with me, if there's a diagnostic moment. And this passage, friends, is very diagnostic. And I pray for us today, and I'm actually, I will pray here just a second, because it's done some work in me this week, and I hope practically it does some work in all of us today um, in a way that hopes to, I hope to stir that diagnostic spirit. Did you allow God to, 
to point to something in your heart to bring growth, to begin to stir something. I just want to stop even right now here and pray for that right now, okay? Can we pray for that together? Lord, I know just as we're about to read that the enemy wants to come and to snatch away things, and I pray, Lord, today that the seeds that you plant in us would grow. God, open up our hearts and minds. Help us to hear. Help me to hear. God, as we seek growth in you, as we seek to move beyond surface spirituality, please, Lord, open our hearts and minds to see that. We pray against the enemy snatching that away. We pray for divine help. We pray for you, Lord, to speak by your spirit and change us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at Luke 8. It says this, it says, as a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town, he said in the parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, it was trampled on, and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock. When it, was, when it grew up, it withered away since it lacked moisture. Other seeds fell among thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still others Other seed fell on good ground, and when it grew up, it produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. And as he said this, he called out, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. That last sentence is kind of strange because I would assume that everyone in the time of Jesus had ears. We have not evolved to ear being people since Jesus was on earth. Everyone had ears, but what Jesus recognizes is that we can hear things. We can hear even good things that can go in and go right back out and never really reach our heart. They can reach our head, but they never really reach our heart. You know what I'm talking about? How many things has that happened in your life where it's been spoken into your life and then you have, it's gone, come and it's just gone. It's not really taken root. So Jesus says, don't just hear me, listen to this. Allow this to get deeper. Dig a little deeper into what I'm saying here. And so the disciples are actually confused by this because if you remember, he, when he's teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, it's so clear. It's, it's, it's you know, do not murder. Uh, well, murder is in your heart, so don't hate. He's being very explicit. But then he starts telling stories, and the disciples start wondering, why are you being sort of different about your communication style here, Jesus? Why are you being a little bit cryptic? And he says to them, he says, I I want you to understand that the knowledge of the kingdom of God is something that that I'll I'll pour out to those who hear. That's why he says, let those who have ears, let them hear. So after that, he actually goes on to explain to the disciples what this parable means later on in Luke 8. So let's look at that part. This is Jesus explaining his words, and then we'll unpack from here. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, having no root. These believe for a while and fall away in a time of testing. As for the seed that fell among thorns, those are the ones who, when they've heard, Go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and the pleasures of life and produce no mature fruit. But the seed in the good ground 
Those are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it and by enduring, produce fruit. So let's break this down. There's four types of soils, which in reality means there's four types of hearts that Jesus is talking about today. Four different types of hearts. And Jesus is the sower. He's the one sowing the seed. And the seed, he says, is the word of God. It's, it's his teaching. It's the scriptures that, that's being poured out to people. So the soil either is the right condition for that growth, for the seed, or it's not. The problem you will notice and you need to hold on to in this passage is is that the seed, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with the sower. The sower is casting the seed out. The, The determining factor of what Jesus is talking about is the condition of the soil, which means the determining factor for how we receive what God is speaking to us is the condition of our hearts. So the first soil, the the seed that falls along the path, soil number one. Scholars tell us that in that day in a wheat field, there would have been this massive field and they would just, just throw the seed out just everywhere they could. But over the years, after they had sown many times in these fields, there would have been pathways that they walked along to get to all of the areas. And some of the seed in the middle of these fields and these pathways would fall on them. But because people had been walking For generations and generations and generations, the seed could not penetrate that area. Why? Why would seed not be able to get down into a path? Because the area is hard. Because the soil itself has been trampled down. It is hard. Walking over it has made it practically impenetrable to both seed and nourishment. Water itself would run right over it. So for some of us, if this is our heart, if we're honest, our heart is really hard. They aren't open. Our hearts aren't open. They've been trampled on over and over again by by pain, by circumstances, by failure, by by people hurting you. And because of that, over time, with with more and more trying circumstances, with more and more uh, difficult relationships, with more and more hurt, we have allowed our hearts to grow, to grow harder and harder and harder. So it doesn't matter how much the sower throws out the seed because we felt so trampled on by life. Nothing can penetrate it. It's dry. It's lifeless. And so Jesus tells us that when Satan comes because it can't penetrate our hard hearts that have been trampled on, Satan comes and snatches away that seed before it gets a chance to take root. Because our lives and our hearts are dry and lifeless. I've noticed that when I encounter a hard heart, a hard heart is always or almost always a broken heart. Hard hearts are broken hearts. Hard hearts are the ones that have experienced and been singed by disillusionment. They've experienced the cynicism and pain and regret that this world has brought them in the same way that that the seed has been trampled on. If, If that's you here today, you feel just trampled on by life. 
I don't know what circumstance or what relationship or what hurt that may be. For some of us, I know this has been an issue with church, is that church has made us feel felt feel very trampled on it's pushed us down and so we might show up to something like this and show up to a city group and nod our head and smile and say yes I agree with that but knowing deep down nothing's getting in there because our hearts have grown so hard and closed off the second soil is the seed that is sown on the rock Israel, as you may know, is is a very rocky terrain. And so farmers, they would have to pay really close attention as they're plowing up the ground to take the rocks out. You have to do that anywhere, but particularly in Israel, they'd have to take the rocks out. But, But I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. I think there's something deeper there because in a lot of areas where things would grow, there would be a soil that doesn't have a lot of rock. But the issue is that the soil would just go down this much and then there's bedrock. There's nothing below but just rock. And so it could grow and look healthy and strong, but at the same time, as it grows out, the sun comes out and the the droughts come and the roots are so shallow that no matter how much it grows and it looks beautiful, eventually it's just dying and it's gone. It's a flash in the pan. It's a, it's a faith that gets very, very, very excited. It grows so fast and it looks like it's going to produce so much fruit, but then things get hard and all of a sudden you're gone. It's not from a lack of enthusiasm. In fact, the hearts that I've seen, including my own, that have grown in this way are some of the most enthusiastic all-in people. But yet, when trials and struggles come, because the roots aren't there, because nothing's really grown into the ground, things begin to wither away. Things begin to die. You know, I noticed this week as I was reading about this that farmers in the area would know if this grows fast, that's bad. Think about that in terms of your own spiritual life and the spiritual journeys of people you've walked with. Sometimes this quick and exciting and emotional fast growth can look on the surface like it's, it's amazing, but, but the healthier option, the healthier thing that's happening in us is when there is a slow and steady, faithful growth that's growing at not only God's passion, but God's pace. It's not just exploding into life and just staying on the surface. You see, that's what happens when we have those shallow roots that have grown among rocky soil, is we just honestly stay on the surface and that's it we never can grow deeper Richard Foster who is a master of spiritual growth he's written lots of great books he says the desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people but for deep people I love that people who have roots Roots that are, are, are growing down and providing not only the nourishment needed for when the sun gets hot and begins to wither, but roots that are going to provide the, the stability when the storms come and blow and, and come against us. This is you in a moment of honesty right now. If this feels like your heart, you realize, I don't know, I don't know your heart, but you realize, man, I'm just really kind of sitting here on the surface. 
you know, I know, I know the right things to say and I know the right things to do and I've, I've, I, I show up to the right things, I serve at the right areas, but, but I know deep down that my roots are very shallow and, and I worry that when things happen that are going to challenge me, I'm just going to blow away and be left for good. In 2013, uh, Barner Research did, a, uh, did a, a nationwide survey where they did different major cities um, uh, based upon the, the spiritual nature of that city. So Lexington made, made the list somehow, and they did this big survey of thousands of people in Lexington about their own spiritual practices. And it turned out that about 80% of people in Lexington claimed to be Christian. So you think, oh, that's good. Well, once they did the survey, they actually asked them what their practices were that, that made them a Christian. Only 17% of the people surveyed believed they had a relationship with Jesus Christ, read their Bible at least once a week, and attended church within two times a month. 17%. So there's a gap between these people who are claiming Christianity, but the actual practice of that is very surface level. And if you spend any time in Lexington, you know that. It's a very Bible belt, very buttoned up, very everybody knows what to say. But then when it comes down to it, honestly, we're a city that, that doesn't have a lot of spiritual depth, at least in my experience. So the soil that's sown along the path on the rock, and then the third soil, the soil that's sown among thorns. You see, this soil is interesting because growth takes place in this soil. It's open to growth, and it even says and implies that, that it's bearing fruit. But yet the issue isn't the growth. The issue is what's growing with it. The issue is not the fruit that's being born. The issue is that the fruit cannot last because the nourishment is being drained away by other thorn bushes and weeds that are taking the same nourishment. Jesus gives us a blunt picture of what this is. He calls it the worries, riches, and pleasures of life that are choking away the fruit that God's trying to bear in our lives. The riches, pleasures of life, the worries of life. There are things in our lives that no matter, no matter how well-intentioned we are about growth, if something is still planted inside of us that's taking away the nourishment that actually helps us to grow, our intentions don't matter. It's taking life away. And it's not always these bad, horrible things. You think about thorn bushes, and you think, oh, this has to be something really serious. Like, man, I'm sorry, I want to grow so bad, but man, my, my, uh, my murdering habit is really just... I just keep murdering people, and I keep stealing cars, and no. <laughs> Very often, that's not the case. And I'm sure nobody's in here right now thinking that, like, I can't grow because I just keep killing people. It's not those bad things. The dangerous things, the dangerous things that grow up in our lives, in our hearts, are actually the good things. The good things that become God things, the good things that are, are, are deceptively dangerous because they're not bad, they're gifts from God, but then the gifts begin to outshine the giver. Things like our, our families, our jobs, our hobbies, our entertainment, our relationships, all good things. But they can choke out the life of our spiritual journey if we don't watch out. See, Jesus is not anti-pleasure. 
Jesus is not anti-good things. I love my family. I love my job. I love my hobbies, even though because I have kids, I don't really have hobbies anymore. I just have sleep. I love entertainment. But at the same time, I recognize that there's only so many times I can say, I wish I had more time to read my Bible and pray more when I'm pushing play next on Netflix, when I'm on that binge watch. You know what I'm saying? Good things that if we allow them to, can choke the life out of our spiritual journey. I say this as me and my wife have spent a great deal of time binge-watching Netflix this week on spring break. It's been wonderful. Good things, but those things can sometimes, no matter how good our intentions are, take us away from actual real growth. Because we grow what we nourish. We grow what we feed. We grow what takes in the nourishment of our lives. Jesus tells us that where our treasure is, there our heart is also. So if we want the clearest picture of where our, our heart lies, we got to look at our calendars and we got to look at our bank statements. That's where we see where our treasure is, where we are moving and what we're doing and then how, what we're spending our money on. If you looked at my bank statement right now and you were just standing on the outside, you would think, this man worships coffee. Wow, there's a lot of coffee purchases on your bank statement there, Justin. But that's the honest reality. If we look at our calendars and our bank statements, there's no clear picture of what's in our heart. It's just having the discernment of allowing these things and uprooting what is taking things away. So we have on, on the path, we have on the rock, we have soil among thorns, and then the final soil is the good ground. Jesus calls it good ground. And I want us to look at Jesus' words one more time of what, what he says about this good ground. He says, but the seed in that good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it, and by enduring, produce fruit. God's desire is not just that we grow, but we bear fruit. And fruit not only nourishes, fruit multiplies what he puts in us. It's why he says here that, that they'll, they'll grow and they'll produce a crop a hundredfold. In that day, and, and probably in our day, if you produce ten times of what you, you're, you're sowing into the ground, that's huge. That's awesome. If you produce ten times what you just put in the ground, that's a successful year for a farmer. That's amazing. And Jesus says a hundredfold. So I think his hearers would have thought that is unheard of. That's amazing, amazing abundance that comes from what God sows into good soil, what God sows into good hearts. So how do you know if you're this soil? How do you know if this is your heart? Is it the case that there's some people that just have these hard hearts and they're stuck that way? There's some people that are stuck in the, the rocky soil. There's some people that are stuck with all the roots and weeds. And then there's us, good soil. There's some that teach that, I would disagree. Are you just good soil? Are you all just born with this beautifully welcoming and open heart that never has any issues? No. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. If you have a, a good soil in your heart, it means that you can recognize when things need to take place within you. Good soil doesn't become good soil just by sitting there passively. Good soil opens itself up 
to the cultivation of our heart. Good soil is honest about the reality of knowing maybe my heart is hard. It's honest about the reality of, you know what, maybe my heart is, is shallow. It's honest about the reality that maybe my heart is, is being choked out by the, the things of this world and I'm not growing because of that. Good soil is just simply honest and ready to get to work and cultivating. Good soil is in the constant process of being cultivated for growth, of being cultivated for life. That means good soil, good hearts are messy. If you look at the people that you know that are growing spiritually the most right now, I know one thing I guarantee you is a common ground between all of them. It's messy. You mess up and you, get, you, get, you, you fail and you do things, but then you allow God to, to, to uproot the things and to take out the rocks and to, to break up the hard ground. You let God work in you. Good soil is just simply dependent soil. It's soil that is ready to allow God to say, God, I know that in this moment, in this time, my heart is hard and it's dry and it's closed off. So God, please break my heart, break my heart and open myself back up to what you want to say. Or maybe you recognize in your good soil that, that I am so shallow, God. I need you to drill down through the hard ground beneath me so that my roots can grow deeper. Good soil recognizes, God, these are good things, good gifts you've given me. But Lord, if they're taking away nourishment from what you really want to grow in me, I don't care uproot them from my life. Good soil is just simply the ability to dependently allow God to do the work in your heart that he needs to do. If we don't, I promise you, the thorns will grow. The rocks will come back. The ground will harden. But Jesus is always in the business of cultivating new life and good soil. So I begin this time by asking, are you growing? And I know these are in some ways some hard words. They've been hard words for me this week. What I've recognized in my own life is what's really choking the life out of me is, is the need for approval. I have an idol of approval in my life. I want people to like me. And because I want people to like me, that draws away my attention and my, 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 my focus away from God. And God really needs to uproot this idea and this desire for me to be liked by people all the time. Anybody else in here people pleasers? Yay, people pleasers. I'm not alone. I feel better about myself. I need God to uproot that. So I want to ask as we close here today, how's your heart? How's your heart? God is not afraid of your honesty. He's not afraid of just the, the, the real messiness of our lives. Is your heart hardened and trampled on by life? Is, is your heart shallow and surface level? Is your heart choked out by the things of this world that are good but are taking away from your focus on God? There is hope today. I want to show you this picture as we close. This picture, anybody know where that is? It's Death Valley. Death Valley is, I believe, 282 feet below sea level. It is the hottest place on earth. 
It's gotten up to 134 degrees Fahrenheit. There's very little life there, as you can see, in that kind of climate. There's sometimes some things that can grow, but for the most part, it's called Death Valley because there's a lot of death. But then something happened in 2016 in the spring. I'm going to show you this next picture. That's Death Valley. That doesn't look like Death Valley, does it? The conditions, it's, it's amazing, the conditions had to be just perfect, but right in the middle of the valley of death, all of this miles and miles and miles of life sprang up. You see, our God, friends, he brings beauty out of barrenness. And it doesn't matter if your heart is hard, it doesn't matter if your heart is choked out, it doesn't matter if your heart is shallow, What matters is that you bring it to him because God can bring life where there is death. We just celebrated that last week. Where there was death, Jesus brought life. And so where there is death within us, where there is brokenness within us, all he's asking you to do is just to simply bring it to him. Jesus, today... Sometimes your words to us are comforting. Sometimes they bring a great deal of challenge. And God, I thank you for that challenge. I thank you that you love us enough to not only meet us where you are, but you love us enough to to not let us stay there. So I pray today, Lord, for a spirit of honesty, that as we pray to you, as we seek you out, that you just allow us to, to have the confidence to know that you're not running away, that you're not scared of our brokenness, you're not scared of our messiness, that you just want our heart right where it's at. So we take these elements, remembering Jesus, that for every broken heart, for every shallow heart for every heart that's being choked to death by the things of this world that you gave your heart you gave all of yourself in your son Jesus whose body was broken for us whose blood was shed for our sins so that where there was death in us where there was barren in us you could bring life you could bring beauty There is nothing today that is beyond your hope, Jesus. No relationship, no circumstance, no failure, nothing is beyond your hope. Thank you for that. Root us in that today. In Jesus' name.